0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We'll get to some of your texts a little bit later on. Frank Valley's appearances are brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta, live turbine racing back at Century Mile Racetrack every Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. Hello, Frank. How are you doing?
1: I'm pretty good, Bob. Uh, big night in Alberta last night.
0: Yes. With the elections.
1: Yes. Um, does this mean that we're going to see Bob Stauffer on the ticket at some point in the near future carrying an Edmonton riding?
0: Uh, I would suggest that would be highly unlikely. I can't even get the votes in my own house. <laughs>
1: well I mean you are you are a popular guy in, in Edmonton so you, you know. uh, I,
0: I think there'd be some debate on uh, the word I've never been a particularly popular guy uh, Frank sometimes when you speak your mind on issues not everybody likes it uh, I know the feeling yes the one thing I did say uh, was what's happened has happened the vote is the vote I didn't tell you know, I didn't say which way I voted I, I will tell you my house was divided when it came to the election so mm-hmm. everybody did their, their own thinking for themselves and we he just wanted people to get out there and vote, and I said, "And now uh, the the time has come for you know the UCP uh, who are going to head up. Uh, they got a majority. They got to dig in now and to help make things uh, you know grow and uh, diversify Alberta, carrying forward." And I extended that metaphor for the position that the Edmonton Oilers are in, Frank. And that the Edmonton well, that the Edmonton Oilers at like the Oilers are close, we know that. Uh, but what's the old saying about close? It only counts in something in hand grenades or something like horseshoes that. and hand grenades. Horseshoes and hand grenades. Uh, the Oilers management—it's not just on the players. The coaches and the managers have got to dig in as well to get Edmonton to the ultimate promised land. Your thoughts on that?
1: I think that's fair. I mean, look, it, part of this is also on the players, like. Um, I think the Oilers, as mentioned, had some unfortunate luck uh, with regard to injuries when it came to their next rung down of uh, stars producing. And, you know, they they weren't able to get even really average goaltending. That might have been the difference between advancing and not. Uh, part of that is on management. Part of that's on the players. It's not just one group right. of people that needs to push this forward. It's everyone pulling on the rope at the same time. But just to put a bow on our conversation uh, about the politics part, does this mean this is good news for the Flames Arena deal, right? That is correct.
0: It is good okay. news. They've, the, the So UC, what are the
1: Oilers going to get in return?
0: I would think about $330 million because that's what they're giving to the Flames bid
1: it's only fair
0: right fair is fair Absent.
1: and is is uh is the lead the new leader of the the upc uh what is he, it ucp
0: yes danielle smith is she she's an oilers fan right no she's a she's she's from she's a calgarian rachel notley is an unabashed oilers fan she oh, uh okay. would, now that said i would you know she's she grew up in Fairview, went to the U of A. Um, I had several buddies. You've even met a couple, I think, that were in class with her at the university. They thought she was a very smart person. Um But Rachel Notley also called, uh, as I recall correctly, when she took over leadership of the NDP, uh, was critical of donations that were made from certain private sector individuals, which is always easy for members of the NDP to do when they have a funding arm by the name of the Alberta Federation of Labor. So So, everybody gets money from somewhere. That's kind of how these things work. Um, So saying that. So I'm
1: just looking at the map here and the results from last night. It's it's interesting that it seems like basically what happened in Alberta is is more or less the entire same of what happens in the U.S., which is the cities and the surrounding areas of cities generally go towards Democrats, and in this case everywhere else in the
0: province goes towards the conservative party. That would be, yes, a general, yeah. as And, and, as and then you,
1: places in between, like a Red Deer or whatever, sort of on the fence.
0: Yeah, Red Deer has traditionally been a little bit more conservative. The one, the one thing I would say is, uh, as you know, the Oilers, and, and I mean, you're as plugged in as money in the business. Would the Oilers be a top six or seven revenue generator for the NHL? Ooh, I would think
1: they're really close. I would say um, if you, you know, just spitballing, I had to like guess. My guess would be like seven or eight, but they're close.
0: Well, a large part of the Oilers fan base is not just from Edmonton. It's from rural Alberta as well, as you know. That's why
1: it's the Oilers radio network. That's why it extends all the way up
0: there. Yes, it does. (laughs) Basically to the North Pole. And what was Michael Jordan's infamous line about his shoes? Republicans Uh, buy shoes, shoes too, too, right? Like, you know what? We have fans that are supporters of the UCP, we have fans that are supporters of uh, the NDP, and now everybody's got to dig in and get going. But to answer your question on the funding of the arena, yes, so that that caught some people off guard, because 10 or 11 years ago in the province of Alberta was a much more, I think, a more difficult battle. At that time, for Daryl Cates and the Oilers Entertainment Group to push for the building, uh, there wasn't a political party coming out and saying, "Hey, we're going to give three hundred plus million uh, to make this happen." It just simply did not exist. And and so now,
1: but you have to make it right. It's like uh, yes, you do. I don't know. It's like as a parent, if I were to, you know, give my daughter. A pile of money upon my passing and leave none to my son. You got to make it equal. If you have two, you got to take care of both.
0: Which is why I open the show. Which I don't have a pile of money, by the way. uh, That's not what I hear. Just just for this segment alone, I hear you're doing very well. But
1: uh...
0: (laughs) life-changing, (laughs) life-altering. Yes, absolutely. No, it's going to be. It's going to be a really interesting thing. And again, uh, over. But it's
1: like I'm not kidding. Like we're not like actually like tongue-in-cheek. Like there should be some kind of
0: something done for the. Edmonton Oilers I would think that that would be the case yes you would You would again but what would be on the Oilers list like what would they want? I haven't even gone down that path but uh, if they're given 330 million for the Flames bid and they weren't there to support the Oilers bid I would think something needs to come somewhere and I
1: doubt it and who that's just not how it works unfortunately
0: yeah no well, we'll see if they ultimately come to fruition I have a feeling that there will be can something pay
1: half of Connor McDavid's next new deal
0: <laughs> well, that's one way to secure votes in half the province.
1: Oh <laughs> hey? well, yeah, maybe you could keep your, your party in power at that
0: point. Well, you could do better in Edmonton if you did that. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's focus on what's happening. Let's, let's start with... Um, hmm. Uh, there were a couple coaching changes, a couple coaching announcements. The Spencer Carberry to Washington was no surprise at all. I think we talked about that yep. about a uh, month ago. In fact, I might have even texted you some predictions, and that was the one we both agreed on. Were you a little bit surprised what shook down in Nashville if Barry Trotz uh, moving John Hines out this late into the off season and replacing him with Andrew Burnett?
1: Yeah, I, I I'm just surprised that they didn't. Look, Barry Trotz is, like, an unbelievable guy and someone that has all the class in the world. I'm surprised for someone who's been in that position, like, has stood on the bench and has previously been fired, would would not handle this in a different manner. And I'll just give you some background. So for clarity's sake... My understanding is the Predators told John Hines a few weeks ago that they were going to go through a a process. And I think that meant a review process. Now, I was told a few days ago that Andrew Brunette was in Nashville for a, quote, multi-day interview. And I said, multi-day interview? Like, they haven't even fired John Hines yet. Like, how do you get to that point it's almost like if you know that you are doing that, haven't you already essentially made the decision yes. to change coaches? Almost in the same way that we always hear all the time, hey, if if Team X doesn't win tonight, this guy is getting the gas pipe tomorrow. And I say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If you already have gotten to that point and you know that you're you're moving on, just do it. Yeah. So with with Andrew brunette I understand the so connection. Scored the first goal in Pred's history, played for Barry Trotz, all those things. Yes. But my God, John Hines, there's now six other openings. Like at least get, cut him free, give him a chance to land one agree. of his jobs. 100% and agree. now he will have a crack, it seems, but the the Panthers did this to Andrew Brunette last year, and it didn't leave a, a good taste in anyone's mouth. I don't know why Barry Trotz now at the helm would would do do it this way. I just I, I need more information,
0: especially given the fact that Trotz has recently been an NHL head coach himself. What it shows is that even the best intentioned people at times can be a little bit self serving. That's just the reality of the situation.
1: Potentially six other head coaching openings after this. Carberry was eight. Brunette is seven. That leaves six. Rangers, Flames, Blue Jackets, Ducks, maybe the Leafs, maybe the Sens. Yeah. And all depends on who's the next GM in Toronto and who's the next owner of the Sens. But I wonder, as everyone has speculated openly about Peter Laviolette being the next Rangers head coach, and it certainly seems like there's lots of smoke there, John Hines has the BU connection with Chris Drury. Does he become a candidate with the Rangers?
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, who's going to be the next GM of the Maple Leafs?
1: my money would be on Brad tree living and I am a gambling man. Um, I, I just, I think he checks so many of the boxes. I think he's the front runner. I think he was the first person that they interviewed in Toronto. I think they're in an intelligence gathering mode right now, trying to talk to as many people as they can. I don't think it's super far down the track with Brad tree living, but I do think that there's mutual interest there and, We'll see where that goes.
0: We're joined by daily Faceoffs Frank Cervalli for Horse Racing Alberta, live thoroughbred racing back at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. All right, Frank, Ottawa, ownership, what's happening there?
1: I'm A lot of people that I've spoken to are projecting clarity within the next 48 hours. And, you know, it, it's interesting, there's been... So many connections or dominoes to Ottawa, meaning how does this relate at all, if in any way, to Kyle Dubis and the Pittsburgh Penguin search that they have. We talked about the coach openings. It seems like every bid has some kind of connection to someone as people that they'd like to bring in either as their next coach or their next general manager. And there's a trickle-down effect that i think you have to be concerned about or at least it raises an eyebrow if you are a fan of the edmonton oilers like what happens next if a certain bid wins with regard to steve steos what happens next with kyle dubis what happens next with dj smith there's a million things that are all connected to this that No one knows who that group's going to be, whether it's the Kimball group, whether it's um, the Apostopolis family, if I'm saying that correctly. Yes. Uh, You know, there's, there's just a lot going on that I feel like there's some dominoes that need to fall here in the next couple days. I'm thinking before Friday.
0: Is there any chance that Nico Sparks ends up getting
1: Ottawa? I'd be very surprised. Like, just from the people that I've spoken to, uh, they seem to be ultra confident. We've seen the tweet from Nico Sparks. Um, I, I, they're out there fishing for money still. Yeah, And I'm, I don't say that guessing. I say that because I've seen the emails and I've seen the pitch decks that they've sent to prospective investors. And the one quote that I tweeted out last week was, there's, an, there's some urgency to this or this is somewhat of an urgent matter was the direct quote. I don't know how 48 hours or a week before whatever it ends up being before a preferred bidder is selected that you don't have your cap table nailed down and you don't have the funds potentially required in order to pull off the bid that you've told the NHL you will. So I can't imagine that they're a realistic shot. But at the same time, they seem to be telling everyone they know that they they think they're getting it, and everyone else needs to get in line.
0: Uh, Frank Cervelli from Daily Faceoff. Frank is the Ottawa GM job potentially, and Pierre Dorian's there right now. We've had Pierre on the show over the years. He's done a good job drafting. Uh, maybe he would be replaced. Maybe he wouldn't. Is the Ottawa situation better than Pittsburgh's? Given that you know the Penguins are, they've got a situation where they got Crosby and Malkin. <laughs> Uh, And Latang, and not a lot of cap space, and those guys are getting older. What do you think?
1: I don't even think they're comparable. I don't even think they're in the same ballpark. One of the big complaints about Ottawa, obviously from the lack of success the last few years, was their ownership situation. And not to sprinkle on anyone's grave, but Eugene Melnick has died. They're obviously moving on to a well-funded You would think owner that's making a record bid for an NHL team. There's excitement in the marketplace. There was all season long. There is the prospect of a new building most likely coming as a result of this ownership change. They've got one of the best young rosters and prospect pools. Like if you were to rank, the seven Canadian teams on who has the best chance over the next five years to break Canada's 31-year cup drought by the time next season rolls around. Yep. I I have a hard time saying that the Sens are any worse than three and you could make the argument or case that they're in the number one spot. I don't know that you'd win the argument. I'd still bet on the best players in the
0: world. But so you could at least make the case. So you would have Edmonton one, Toronto two, and Ottawa three.
1: I I might go Edmonton one, Ottawa two, Toronto three.
0: Well, that's the music to the ears for our listeners. I can tell you the right right now. All right, uh, so, and that's
1: not pandering to the mar- like I That's not at all. Like no. I would say the same thing on a Toronto radio station or an Ottawa station.
0: The, I mean, the bottom line is the Oilers' two best players are completely dug in. McDavid and Drysaddle. Did we see that out of the core four from Toronto?
1: No, and I think there's real questions about what that core looks like moving forward, regardless of whatever Brendan Shanahan may or may not have said to them in the last couple weeks.
0: Uh, Who do you got at the top of the list? I know you had a – actually, you know what? We talked about that last week. I'm going to take you down a different path. You had somebody on the show talk about – somebody on your show on Daily Face Off, sort of talking about goaltenders not earning their due respect come mm-hmm. Hockey Hall of Fame. Maybe explain that to our listeners.
1: Yeah, so it was a great story. I encourage you to read it on dailyfaceoff.com yesterday. Um, it was from a guy by the name of Paul Paduti, and he's uh, he's actually an accountant in Sudbury, Ontario, who's a huge hockey fan and has done like quite literally thousands of hours of work to put every player and therefore every goaltender on a level playing surface. So basically to be able to compare the 80s Oilers against the stats of the current Oilers of today and to make them all equal based on the different eras of scoring. Yes. His his Twitter handle is at Adjusted Hockey. If you haven't followed him, he's a great follow. And the work that he pointed out specifically with regards to the Hall of Fame, he's had a... Uh, an eight part series that's running on our site. This was one in the series that basically said it's criminal how the hall of fame has handled goaltenders since the 1967 expansion outside of the original six, only 13 goalies that have played in that era have been inducted into the hall of fame. So for perspective, he said there's been 15 winter Olympics in that span and 16 goalies have scored goals in that span. And yet only 13 goalies, the most, I think the most important position in the sport, have been inducted. And I think some of them they've gotten wrong, to be honest, and fair. And so his case was, yeah, Henrik Lundqvist is, is a shoe-in for this year as a first-time inductee, but there's other guys that they've gotten wrong. And his case was made around Curtis Joseph, that really deserve a longer look and consideration.
0: Well, Curtis Joseph put together, I mean, as you know, the 98 playoffs stopped 92 out of 93 shots in the final three games against Colorado when they were at the height of their powers with Forsberg and Sack, Zach- yep. Patrick Juan goal. And the order stunned Colorado and came back from 3 one down. So there you well, go.
1: Curtis Joseph, as he pointed out in the story, very quietly has the 14th most playoff wins of all time despite never really playing on a powerhouse team.
0: How is Rogie Vashon in the Hockey Hall of Fame as a player?
1: Well, that's a really good question. And he, he actually, so he ranks all of the goalies in terms of what he believes um, his stats indicate, you know, as I mentioned, putting everyone on a level playing surface. And his point was, it's not just Rogi Vashon, but if you look at his list, Jerry Cheevers is way down at 54th in terms of uh, qualified or unqualified candidates. Eddie Jockman 47th. Both those guys are in. Rogie Vashon was 20th. Ed Belfour recently got in. He was 13th. Um, and he has uh, Curtis Joseph all the way up at number eight. So it's it's a pretty incredible look at at the depth that he goes into to explain this entire story
0: well uh i'm just thinking here i mean cheevers was in boston for the 70 and 72 championships they used to split him and eddie johnson back in the day including in the 71 series against the montreal canadians when the canadians upset him eddie jockman uh, was goaltender for the rangers he never won a stanley cup in new york at that time but he's in the hockey hall of fame did Cujo just move around too much? Was that the issue? He went St. Louis, Edmonton, where would he go? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, Toronto, then Detroit. He had some, I mean, he's a pretty good goalie, even a better guy. Just a great guy. Well,
1: I, I think the big thing is, uh, the issue is the Hall doesn't know how to properly evaluate them because of the difference in stats um, wow. and what save percentages <laughs> looked like that they just, they haven't been able to really do the work to to properly evaluate everyone and put them on a level playing surface the way Paul has.
0: Well, I can remember when uh, Jim Gregory, and again, I don't. You talked about we don't want to be hard on people that have passed away, but he was on radio talking about why Dick Duff needed to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm like Dick Duff, like the guy was like a second line winger, you know, didn't put up prolific numbers, and at that time Glenn Anderson was not in. And you know what it was. It was a popularity contest of the era. Well, it was Dick po- Duff got in,
1: and and to be fair, a lot of people would say the same thing about Kevin Lowe.
0: Yep, a lot of people would, 100%. But Glenn Anderson scored 498 goals, and... You know, in the 88 90 cups was as important as any other in those cup years. I mean, in 1990, he walked Ray Bork twice. By the way, as a Philly guy, uh, were you at all, you got 30 seconds, were you at all disappointed to see the uh, Celtics blow it last night?
1: Um, no.
0: There you go. Frank, great stuff. Love having you on the show. Uh, and the answer is no in the politics, okay?
1: By the way, both Boston teams lose on home ice or home
0: floor to an 8-seed. It's unbelievable. Crazy stuff. Thanks for joining us, Frank. That is, See you, Bob. So yeah, That is Frank Cervalli from Daily Faceoff. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. Back with Philip Kemp, who signed a two-year contract extension with the Oilers today.